Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. How far will your obedience take you? I'll obey God as long as He doesn't ask this of me. Now, I'll obey God as long as He doesn't ask too much. As long as obedience fits into my my daytime and my planner. Jesus obeyed the Father to the point of death. The idea of fully submitting to either a person or an institution is quite the challenge to most people. Whether it's to the leadership of government or management in the workplace, we all have a natural sense of autonomy. In today's message, Pastor Ed asks us a very important question. How far will our obedience to Christ go? Reflecting on Paul's letter to the Philippians, Pastor Ed reminds us of the humility and obedience that Christ displayed towards the Father. Are we willing to take up our cross for Christ? Let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6, for his continuing study entitled, The Mind of Christ. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. So Paul the Apostle takes them back into eternity and shows them the second person of the Trinity who in very nature, he is God. Then he shows them and points to his glory. The glory of Christ in Philippians 2.6 who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. I use the New Revised Standard Version because it accurately explains the English word grasped. What some versions say is he, he, it's not something he held on to or grasped. The idea is this. Jesus did not hold on to his prerogatives as God. He did not hold on to the glories of heaven, but he condescended to earth. Let me read to you several translations. New Living Translation, the Holman's uh, Study Bible, and another, the Good News Bible. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. And although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of his equality. When Jesus came to earth, he laid aside his prerogatives as Yahweh. He laid aside all of that glory and he veiled it in human flesh. Now imagine if he didn't. Some Pharisee comes with a snide remark. He could say, you're toast. On that cross, he could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him. He didn't. He laid aside his prerogatives as God. Now, you do see glimpses of his divinity because he never ceased to be God, even when he became fully man. Uh, You could see on that Mount of Transfiguration, his glory shone through when he was with those Old Testament patriarchs and prophets, Moses and Elijah the prophet, and they saw his glory. 
Uh, his glory shone through there in the garden when he said, I am, and the soldiers just fell down. His glory showed through when he just spoke to those winds and the waves. No, he, he never ceased to be God, but he limited himself. Now, what Paul is doing is this. He's saying, okay, this is what you're doing in the church. You're doing what the culture does. You know, you start off as a, a young person and you can't wait to get your first apartment. You're on your own. And then you want to get a condo. And then you go to one of our realtors and then you want to get a fixer-upper. And then you're thinking about the dream house, around 3,000 square feet or something. You know, you're always wanting to climb up the ladder. Well, uh, you're in the process of saying, do you know who I am? Recognize me. I'm somebody special. We climb up the ladder of success. Not what Jesus did. He came down the ladder. He came from heaven to earth, from glory to earth. He came from the accolades of angels to the curses of men. He came from the praise of heavenly being to the scorn of sinful men. Paul the apostle is saying, look at the Savior. Look at Christ. Look at God and emulate, follow his example. You know, I, I, I love the passage of Scripture tucked in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah because it shows the horror and the danger of pride. In eternity past, God's greatest angelic creation was Lucifer, son of the morning, the most beautiful of all the angels. He saw the triune God. He brought the praises and gathered them and brought them to God. Heaven's choir director. With all he saw, all he experienced, sin crept in his heart. He plotted and planned a rebellion against God Almighty. Whenever pride comes into a person's heart, they begin to mirror hell. They begin to mirror Satan. You see this in Isaiah chapter 14, where the king, a pagan king, becomes proud. Listen to how he reflects and mirrors the heart of Satan because in his heart you can see Satan. In chapter 14 of Isaiah it says, How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I, 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 I. The big ego, the big I. Satan wanted to climb the ladder. Adam wanted to climb the ladder. Pride 
pride of life filled his heart. And he wanted to be like God and gave into the temptation, both him and Eve in the garden. They wanted to be like God. Ascend the ladder. Never do we reflect more of hell than when pride creeps into our hearts. Our God is a humble God who comes down and comes into our world and embraces us. That's what the scripture says. In fact, God says, I resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Listen again to Isaiah chapter 57, 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. In John chapter 17, we have the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He's preparing to go back to heaven. Listen to his words in John 17, 4 and 5. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He left that glory, the splendor, the glory of heaven to embrace sinful humanity. So you could see his humility of Christ in heaven, but you see also the humility of Christ on earth or in the incarnation in verses 7 to 8a, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. Jesus Christ comes down and embraces our humanity, becomes fully man. Now, the text says he made himself nothing. The King James, the New American Standard, uh, some of the other translations say that he emptied himself. Uh, The idea is that he emptied himself. He, as the scriptures had been, made himself nothing. What it meant was he never ceased to be God. He never ceased to be Yahweh, but He divested himself. He left his prerogatives as God behind. He didn't take them with him to this earth. He humbled. That's what we call the kenosis, the idea of God emptying himself. But what did he empty himself into? Well, here is a shocking, startling thing. He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant. That's from the NIV. By taking the very nature of a servant. Uh, What does it mean? Well, he became, really in the Greek it's doulos, he became a slave. Jesus was not born in a king's palace or a nobleman's home or even in a middle class family. He was born to utter poverty with none of the advantages that might give him a good start in life. He was born in a place where people would say, 
Could anything good come out of Nazareth, out of that community? Even the surrounding communities looked down on the place where Jesus lived. Think about this. The God who spun the worlds into existence. The creator walks among his creation. And as they bump up against him, they say, who do you think you are? You're just a Nazarene. What gives you right to talk like that? Jesus gave up his rights. A slave in Roman society had no rights. That's what Paul is saying. He surrendered his rights. Oh, that's so far and so hard, so difficult for us to grasp. We were brought up in a democracy, taught from childhood. You have rights. Claim your rights. Speak up for yourself. Don't step on my feet. Who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? No. Jesus came down, down, and he became a slave with absolutely no rights. He surrendered everything. Paul the apostle is saying, look to God and be like him. Practice what he preached and proclaimed. Take the nature of God into your nature. We have a humble God. Well, they didn't ask me to sing. Huh. They acted like I wasn't even here. How would Jesus handle it? How would Jesus respond? In Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He emptied himself becoming a slave. He emptied himself by becoming in human likeness. Everything you experience, the pain, the suffering, the tragedy, the trial, death, he experienced. You know, it's amazing. The apostle says, let this mind be in you which is in Christ. In verse 5. And then he's picking up that idea of a mindedness, God-mindedness from earlier in verse 3 when he says, you know, have the same mind. It's amazing how we fall into the trap of being worldly in the body of Christ. I was reading about Winston Churchill. Somebody commented to him that one of his... Uh, opponents in the political arena, Clement Attlee, he said, Mr. Attlee is a humble man. And in uh, Winston Churchill's sarcastic humor, he said, he has a lot to be humble about. Well, you and I have a lot to be humble about. He who did not have to humble himself, humbled himself. He who was almighty God, without sin, perfect, always right, never wrong. God, a very God, humbled himself. 
How is it that it is so difficult for us to humble ourselves? How readily we're offended. How readily we respond. <laughs> you see what they did, what they said. Paul the Apostle is going to the heart of the problem. He's going to what will heal the church and help them move forward. And that's the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, humility. Now, he doesn't stop there. Christ is humble in heaven. You see his humility there. You see his humility in coming to this earth in the incarnation. But in verse 8, you see his humility demonstrated even in his death. In verse 8, being formed, found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Obedient in his death, his obedient death. How far will your obedience take you? Uh, I'll obey God as long as he doesn't ask this of me. Now, I'll obey God as long as he doesn't ask too much. As long as obedience fits into my, my daytime and my planner. Jesus obeyed the Father to the point of death. And he says to you and me, Take up your cross daily and follow me. Where are we to follow him to? To Calvary, where we crucify the flesh, where we crucify self, where we crucify our own ambitions and say, God, it's your will, not my will that counts. I'm here to obey. I'm here to serve. I'm here to live for you. Have your way. Amen. See, God counted you. So important that he sacrificed his glory. He sacrificed all the privileges of his Godhead and came to this world and took all of your shame, all of your failure, all of your sin upon himself. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. When you look at others, their agenda, their life, who they are is important. God saw you as so important that he gave us all. He gave us everything. Oh. You know, people have the right to die and to die in dignity. But even that right, Jesus surrendered. The scripture goes on to say, even death on a cross you look at his humiliating death Jesus didn't even have a dignified death flies flying around the cross Jesus hanging in nakedness and shame people hurling insults and accusations at him. There, a public display. Because, because he loved you. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree, amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. We well might 
the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. He died. (sighs) We have such a trouble dying to self. Self seems to have a resurrection every morning. Maybe even twice a day. But God said in his word, have this mind that was in Christ. How our families would be filled with so much more harmony. How our churches would be filled with so much more unity. How the church of Jesus Christ would be so much healthier. If we practice the path that our Savior set before us. Listen carefully to the words as I read them. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. No Roman citizen would die by crucifixion unless he were absolutely terrible. Paul, a Roman citizen, had the right to die any other way, but they couldn't crucify him. Jesus came as a slave without rights and suffered the worst. And Paul the apostle is saying, that's how you are to serve. Well, God, I'm in church because I want things. God, here's my give me list. Give me this, give me that, give me the other thing. Jesus taught his disciples on that last night, that last supper, a lesson that they would never forget. Their feet had gathered dust on those dirty roads. And when they came in, no one knew or recognized that they should clean the feet of one another. They were too good for that. Oh, no, no, not me. That's too good. That's below me. Don't you know how long I've been saved? Don't you know my title in the church? Don't you know what? Listen, John 13. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. It's time that we bow very low and we wash one another's feet. Paul saw that what was most needed in the church was the mind of Christ. 
Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.